1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Though everyone is aware that alcohol and drugs during pregnancy is not a good thing, are you aware of the impact it can really have on a baby? Today, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders can have lifelong consequences. Do you know someone who needs help? Do you know what to do or where to turn to help that person? Today we have Kathy Mitchell, Vice President of the National Organization on Field Alcohol Syndrome. Kathy has been a leading voice on FASD and will discuss how it's affected her own life. Share your comments and experiences by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is Relatively Speaking.
2: Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The presumptive Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton is campaigning in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, with one more long-awaited endorsement, that of Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Both are making their first joint campaign appearance, and PR's Tamara Keith is in New Hampshire, where Sanders made his announcement just moments ago.
3: Sanders said that Hillary Clinton has won the Democratic nominating process, that she goes into the convention with significantly more pledged delegates and superdelegates, and that he's going to work to make sure that she becomes president. Very he also used the E-word. Sanders said that he is endorsing
2: Hillary Clinton. NPR's Tamara Keith reporting, as Bernie Sanders was addressing the crowd about the need to keep Republican Donald Trump from reaching the White House. Under tightened security, the city of Dallas is preparing to receive President Obama, Vice President Joe Biden, and former President George W. Bush who are attending a memorial service for five fallen police officers. They were killed while providing security for what was an otherwise peaceful rally in downtown Dallas. Pierre Scott Horsley reports President Obama will attempt to offer comfort to a city and a nation shaken by a series of deadly shootings last week.
4: President Obama plans to meet with the families of the five police officers who were shot to death in Dallas. The officers died while protecting what had been a peaceful protest over shootings by police in Louisiana and Minnesota. Yesterday, Obama and Biden met privately at the White House with law enforcement leaders to talk about ways to rebuild trust between police and minority communities, while also keeping officers safe. Obama said all Americans should be concerned about racial disparities in law enforcement, but he's also cautioned critics to be respectful of police, or else he says they risk losing allies in their push for reform. Scott Horsley, NPR News, the White House.
2: A ceasefire declared in South Sudan appears to be holding shootouts in the capital over the weekend between soldiers allied to rival political leaders killed at least 272 people, that according to the government, and also sent expatriates scrambling for the exit over fears of a return of civil war. Here's NPR's Gregory Warner. The
5: apparent ease with which a nighttime shootout between soldiers sparked days of violence across the capital shows just how fragile the peace remains in South Sudan. The violence throws doubts on the value of the televised handshakes between rival political leaders whose reunion was brokered by the United States and other countries. That reunion was meant to usher the end of civil war. President Salva Kiir and Deputy President Riek Mashar spent two years battling each other in a civil war that displaced more than two million and starved millions more. Now the two leaders stand together, warily, though some gunfire has continued despite their repeated calls for a ceasefire. Observers worry that the animus awoken in the country has eclipsed the power of its leaders to stop it.
2: Gregory Warner reporting. This is NPR. In the latest snapshot of advertised jobs, openings fell in May to 5.5 million, the fewest since December. The number of people who quit their jobs slowed, and so did the number of people hired to fill openings. But... The Labor Department says hiring rebounded in June. That month, employers added 287,000 jobs, and with more people looking for work again, the unemployment rate rose to 4.9 percent in June. U.S. investigators want Tesla Motors to disclose details of a May 7th deadly crash in Florida in which the automaker's autopilot system was in use. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration reportedly has sent Tesla a list of questions it wants the Palo Alto-based company to answer in the coming weeks. Major League Baseball's top players will square off in San Diego tonight for the 87th annual All-Star Game at Petco Park, the American League's favorite in the contest. NPR's Kirk Sigler has more. The American League won the very first All-Star game in 1933 when Babe Ruth also hit the first home run in the game's history. More recently, the AL has also dominated, going 15-4-1 since the late 1990s. Starting on the mound for the squad will be Chris Sale of the Chicago White Sox. The pitching nod for the National League goes to the red-hot Johnny Cueto of the San Francisco Giants. He's won 10 straight decisions since late April. This is the third time San Diego will host the All-Star game, but the first ever in in Petco Park, a stadium that's widely seen as daunting for hitters due to its wind patterns and the frequent marine layer of fog that descends on the Southern California coast this time of year. The first pitch will be thrown just after 5 p.m. Pacific. Kirk Ziegler, NPR News. Dow is up 120. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Zillow. Recognizing home means something different to everyone users can discover millions of homes for sale and rent, from a modern apartment in the city to a historic home in the suburbs. Zillow, find your way home.
5: Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
2: I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio.
5: You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Good morning. Welcome to Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today... We are talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, or FASD as we'll talk about it. So most people know that alcohol and drug use during pregnancy is not a good thing to do, but are you aware of the impact it really can have on a baby's life and forever? Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders really do have lifelong consequences. So my question to you, our listeners, is do you know someone who needs help? Do you know what to do or where to turn to help that person? Or do you feel like you needed help and never got it? Today we have Kathy Mitchell, Vice President National of uh, the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, called NOFAS for short. Kathy's been a leading voice on FASD uh, for several years and will discuss how it's affected her own life. Uh, we want to also hear from you. We want you to share um, what's going on in your life, your comments, and experiences. You can call us at one eight seven seven MPB Ring, that's 1 877 7464, or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So, um, I'd like to bring Kathy on in. Kathy is from Washington, D.C. Kathy, are you there with us? I am. Thank you. I'm happy to be with you today. Thanks so much for uh, being with us. I met Kathy just last month at a meeting in Chicago on this very topic, and she was one of our speakers, and I was really impressed by all the wonderful information she had. And I felt like that we needed to share her knowledge and information and and some of the general knowledge we know about fetal alcohol spectrum. So thanks for agreeing to be here again. Let's talk first a little bit about some very basic facts. And Kathy, I want you to add to this. But first, I think we all know, um, the scientific community knows that alcohol, and remember that includes wine, beer, liquor, wine coolers, whatever is containing alcohol. Alcohol is the leading known preventable cause of developmental and physical birth defects in the United States. So when a woman drinks alcohol during pregnancy, she really is risk risking giving birth to a child who will pay the price for their whole life in maybe mental and physical deficiencies or maybe with some emotional difficulties that might not have otherwise been there. We still have many women who drink and um, here are the numbers. It's estimated that each year in the U.S., one in every 750 infants born are born with a pattern of developmental and functional problems that meet the criteria for, for fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. But another number that you need to hear is that another four hundred thousand 40,000 children are born with fetal alcohol effects, or that FASD that I mentioned, and we'll talk about the differences. The newest research is showing that 1 in 20 students who were looked at in schools have markers of FASD. Now, most people don't have every marker, but there may be some of those markers there. Kathy, this is pretty impressive and um, is... Fairly concerning, right?
0: Yes, it really is. I, I think that alcohol is just so much a part of uh, the, uh, the social fabric of, you know, uh, really a global lifestyle. It's not just American, it's, it's an international problem. Exactly. Right. And I think, you know, um, oftentimes women are confused about mixed messages. Uh, women you know have an attitude that well as long as I just drink a little bit I should be okay or if I stop as soon as I find out I'm pregnant I'll be okay you know one of the things that the CDC reported in their uh, vital signs that came out a few months ago was that three out of four uh, pregnant women are drinking, you know, um, or three in four women that want to get pregnant are drinking, thereby putting their pregnancy at risk before they actually know they're pregnant. Which and is... that three million women in the United States, uh, pregnant women, are at risk for having a child with effects.
1: Wow, huge numbers. And um, I'm, I'm sure that many women out there uh, did not find out. Within the first four to six weeks that they were pregnant. And so your point is that if you're planning on getting pregnant, really, you should abstain from alcohol or any drugs during pregnancy that are not absolutely necessary for you to take during uh, pregnancy. And that would be safe. So we have um, some real concerns out there that the message is not out, that You may not realize that sometimes it depends on the person, their size, their nutritional state, what else is going on. I'm a relatively small person, so... Perhaps a drink or two for me is much more than what you uh, might have much more impact than on someone who is larger than I. The other issue is what is a drink? Um, How much alcohol is okay? So the information we're trying to relate out there is that it's really better to abstain completely, uh, not just during pregnancy, because if you don't find out, that you're pregnant until six or eight weeks in pregnancy, Um, there have been some major formation of the neural tube, the brain, the fetus in general um, in those first eight weeks of life. And we can certainly talk more about that later. But why don't we talk a little bit about some of the signs and symptoms that um, children may have that you may not know what's affected your child, if you adopted a child, or if you consumed alcohol, or if you're concerned that your child may have um, FASD. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of those characteristics. For the full syndrome, there's low birth weight, small head circumference, Uh, They don't grow well. Often they're delayed in their developmental milestones. In their face, there's some mild facial abnormalities um, that can be major in the more severely affected. That include uh, smaller eye openings, flattened cheekbones, sort of a, a small, thin upper lip, a small groove. Sometimes they have significant learning problems, epilepsy, fine and gross motor problems. And then something in the children who perhaps don't have the full-blown syndrome but have the FASD, as I was talking about, they may have poor socialization skills, difficulty building and maintaining friendships, relating to groups, and then some milder learning problems or uh, maybe even ADHD in its more severe form with a lot of impulsivity and hyperactivity. So those are some some things that can occur. Um, Now, what we haven't talked about yet, and Kathy and I are going to talk more about that in a few minutes, is that many times people who abuse alcohol or use alcohol during pregnancy are also using other drugs, maybe illicit drugs, um, illegal drugs, but maybe prescription drugs that might be also affecting what's going on. Um, there also might be some other issues that are going on in in your life during pregnancy, uh, like chronic stress, uh, like other illnesses, like depression or anxiety, like violence in the home. All those can affect the fetus. So what we are talking about today is that we know there are lots of confounders, but we know for sure that alcohol is a teratogen during pregnancy it hurts the formation of the fetus, and um, you need to abstain. Um, would love to hear your questions, your thoughts, your comments, um, maybe the difficulties that you've had or if you've seen a friend or a family member who's struggled. Give us a call with your questions and comments at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Seven four six four. You can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. I think what we'll do is take our first break. And when we come back, Kathy, I'm going to ask you, if you will, I know that um, this disorder has affected you and your family. And I'd love for you to share some of your experiences and uh, the good news and the difficulties that you've been through. So when we get back... We'll be talking with Kathy Mitchell, our um, expert uh, at NoFAS on fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, we'll be right back.
3: Support for MPB comes from SR1, helping to educate youth groups on the benefits of delaying sex and making healthier choices through their free abstinence workshop. For details, call 601-853-9773.
4: Hi, I'm Jason Klein. We all have a room in our house that is begging to be redone. It's probably the bathroom or the kitchen. Tomorrow morning on Fix It 101, we're going to help you get started. Which room is the hardest to remodel? Which one is the most expensive or takes the longest? And what can you do on your own before calling a professional? And of course, the question we all have, how much will it cost? Shane McClendon of Home Remedies is joining us tomorrow morning on Fix It 101 at 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
5: You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB, Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today we are talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, we have Kathy Mitchell here um, with us from Washington, D.C. She is the vice president of the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, and a leading voice on FASD. And um, we're talking about how it affected her life, how she's trying to help others not have it affect theirs. Um, Kathy, thanks for being here. Well,
0: thank you, Susan. I'm happy to be here. So, well, you know, you want to know how FASD um, has affected my life. Yes. Excuse me, FASD continues to affect my life. Um, Every single day I grew up in Maryland and, um, you know, when I was growing up, I came through the time period of the 60s and 70s and um, where there was a lot of social change going on. Uh, my dad was an alcoholic, and my mother was really a, a non-drinker, but my father's business was running restaurants and bars, and they had seven children. And the reason that, you know, this piece to the whole puzzle of FASD is is very important is that, you know, FASD, um, you don't have to, be a woman who's an alcoholic or even understand that you're suffering with addiction to have a child with issues. Um, Alcohol in and of itself is a teratogen and can cause cell malformation or cell death and result in uh, birth defects in any part of the embryo or fetus that is developing during that time period, as you well know. But it, most most people that have a child that has been identified as having effects from being exposed to alcohol do have moms who have struggled with addiction or at least heavy dependent drinking. Right. And um, and you brought up another good point that I just wanted to make sure I, I underscored is is that. Many of the women that use, whether it's um, opiates, painkillers from the doctor or, um, uh, you know, maybe, um, uh, you know, things to help them sleep or something from the doctor or illicit drugs. But many of the women that use other drugs other than alcohol also use alcohol, even cigarettes for that matter. And again, I'm not saying every single woman that smoke cigarettes also drinks, or every single woman, you know, that takes um, medication from a physician also drinks. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when there's a tendency towards substance use, using mind-altering different drugs, it, it sometimes can indicate addiction. And addiction does run in families. And addiction ran in my family. So some of us are really genetically wired that if we, grow up in an environment that's kind of conducive to use where it's kind of, you know, part of the social fabric of our lives, you know, some of us become addicted rather early. And that was my experience. Now, right. we didn't understand back in those days what alcoholism was. My father, father was an alcoholic. He was a congressman. Uh, a well-educated man who died very young.
1: There alcoholism. are, one thing to point out, there are plenty of functional alcoholics out there, right, um, who right. who uh, drink heavily in the evening um, but are able to maintain a job, uh, be fine, upstanding citizens to uh, the public, right?
0: That is absolutely right. And a lot of times it, it just really indicates Either they, you know, have had, you know, kind of some uh, some of the uh, the good fortune to have received an education to get a good job, or that they have an environment, maybe a partner that kind of helps pick pick up the pieces for them, or even a job that does that, that kind of turns the other way. Right. Sometimes when they start to slip or not come in on Mondays or something
1: like that. And so. I think so many times, Kathy, in in um, communities, and it, maybe this is sort of a, a sexist comment from me, I think so often people um, are quicker to call um, a man who drinks heavily an alcoholic and less likely to um, maybe see it or to call a woman an alcoholic.
0: There's a good reason for that. And you bring up another good point because it's stigmatized. So it's Mm -hmm. really usually out of love and concern for that woman that people don't want their mother labeled as an alcoholic or their grandmother or their granddaughter or Mm -hmm. daughter. And because it's seen as a dirty word. It's seen as something you should be ashamed of. And, you know, other uh, health disorders, you know, had that same sort of stigma many, you know, years ago. Um, So it's something that some people believe that people drink and give it to them, you know, that that it's self-inflicted. And it just really isn't. It really is about metabolism and about genetics. And it really is a brain-based disorder you know, just like many other disorders, I mean, you know, addiction occurs, you know, um, primarily in the brain, but also with, uh, you know, uh, in unison with other organs. And like you had mentioned, there's many other variables because right. just like with any disease, the environment matters. So if you have a predisposition to develop cancer and you're in a highly toxic, stressful area, Um, uh, you know, maybe eat a poor diet. There's um, a lot of stress in your life and conflict. All those things can aid in the onset of that disease and developing that disease. And it's the same thing with addiction. And so there's this nonsense of stigmatizing and blaming that goes on with certainly addiction, with certainly women who are addicted, now, uh, if we get into women of color who suffer with addiction, well, they get a double whammy. They're even stigmatized further. So this goes on and on and on. Certainly women that give birth to children with an FASD uh, experience great stigma and it's one of, uh, uh, one of the major programs that we are working on right now is trying to better educate the general public and reduce that stigma. And Kathy, I, I want to stop here and
1: just ask people to call in if you have questions or comments. I want to repeat the number. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I think you are bringing a great point up. Is the stigmatization that then makes people um, afraid to ask for help, afraid to reach out? Yes,
0: and it's not only the stigma. I mean, a woman that may be drinking and and can't stop, maybe she, you know, sometimes we have someone who's a victim of domestic violence. Maybe her whole family is drinking and she's around, or maybe she drank before she knew she was pregnant and she's scared to death to tell anybody because uh, she's afraid of how the family might treat her or judge her, all of these factors. But she also may be afraid to tell the doctor that the doctor may report her to child protective services and take her shot, you know, her 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 baby once it's born, or or even worse yet, in her mind certainly, the, the children she has at home. Right. So there's all of these uh, factors that keep women um, hiding and lying, and 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 it, it really isn't an a, a voluntary lie. It really is involuntary, and it's again, to protect her and her children and her family, which is something that comes very natural for women. Exactly. But I know about stigma firsthand. Um, you know, I, I lived this. I lived, you know, I, like I said, I, I grew up in a very chaotic household by two wonderful people, um, you know, my mother and father. And again, my father suffered with a disease called alcoholism, and we had no idea that that's was the root of our problem. We really didn't. Right. Um, that that's the craziness with alcoholism. It's like the whole world can clearly see, you know, but you can't see inside of your own picture. You don't see what's happening in the same way other people do. Right. And we didn't understand back then, but. Um, And so I was like an accident waiting to happen. I was genetically wired. It was the Woodstock era. I was kind of a lost child. I was number five out of seven kids. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I was a teenager, I was kind of skipping school and not doing the things I should have been doing. I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. My parents were just too busy working to really pay much attention. And, um, and my mother trying to control my dad's drinking and trying everything she knew to get him to stop, although she thought it was she
1: he didn't go to church enough and um, so <laughs> oh church was it's so Kathy what? one thing that um you just mentioned is that you were in that chaotic environment so there's that nurture nature thing that we talk about all the time about how much is it the model that you are around and what you are seeing, how much are you already predisposed? But when you have both, it certainly compounds it for you. Um, I want us to go to the phones. We have Joe in Natchez. Joe has both parents who have addiction issues. So I think um, Joe wants to share some information with us. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for calling.
6: Hello. How are you?
1: I'm um, great. Thank you.
6: Well, I wanted to know if that contributed anything to the child's uh, birth defect, too. That his mother was a uh, a, a heavy wrinkle, and the father was also uh, on some kind of drugs. Uh-huh. And this child is, is really messed up there.
1: Really? So, um, has that child gotten any help?
6: Well... No, what can you do for a child that can't talk or nothing like
1: that? There, There are things you certainly can do, Joe. I don't know how old the individual is. Um, but certainly the the earlier you discover that the child has fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, the better, so that you can get them into interventional services. Um, there are higher incidents of speech language disorders, um, developmental delay, um, hearing and vision need to be checked because having visual or hearing loss sometimes can affect the development even further. And so if if this is a child that has not been formally evaluated by um, experts who can work with this child, I would... Um, highly recommend that you make sure that child gets into um, evaluation services they can go to their primary care provider their family practitioner or their pediatrician and um, and say this child has developmental difficulties if the parents are still keeping that child in an unsafe environment then somebody really needs to step in and, and
6: well, neither one of them I think is a youth now, but this child, child can't even talk. He just sits and rocks himself back and forth.
1: So how, yeah, how old is the child, Joe?
6: He's like twelve.
1: Twelve. Hopefully, he's been evaluated and has had um, certain intervention services. Um, Certainly, if he's in public school, the schools are supposed to be helping.
6: Can't go to school. How can he go to school and can't even talk enough?
1: We've got plenty of children with special needs. That's part of the job of the schools. Is every child has the right to be enrolled yeah, there's in school? No
6: school in this yeah. town.
1: That that should. Um, I'm not sure. You're in Natchez. Um, yeah. Natchez has public schools, and they are supposed to they be got supplying. Public
6: schools, but yeah. they don't have any, any, anything like that.
1: Well, they're required by federal law to do so, so I would make sure that you let the parents know that this, this child deserves the right to be evaluated by the public school and to be enrolled and to be cared for, and if they don't have the services, they are required, again, by law, to um, find appropriate services for that child. So, Joe, uh, I appreciate your call. It sounds like this child was severely affected. Um, typically, that 1 in 20 child who has some of the markers is, is certainly not that severely affected. That fetal alcohol syndrome is the most severe um, way a child can be affected. So, Thankfully, we don't see that, um, except with heavy drinking during pregnancy. So I hope you'll just relay to those parents that they need to be asking for more help than they're getting. Thanks for your call. Um, Let's go next, before our next break, to Patrick in Smithville. Patrick? Uh,
4: Yes, ma'am. How are you?
1: Um, We're great. Thanks for calling in.
4: Uh, Yes, ma'am. I just have a comment um on... about the nature nurture controversy. Um okay. I realize that I, I realize that people have genetic predispositions to things, you know, alcoholism or, or whatever. Right. I mean that and of course that you know that occurred, but people are not slaves of their genetics. You know, choice does play a role in it. Um even even if a person has something in their in their gene, that doesn't mean that they that they have to do that, choice does play a role in it.
1: Well, you're absolutely correct.
4: And I think that people, you know, people need to realize things like alcoholism, smoking, you know, these things are, are socially acceptable, especially alcohol, you know, mm-hmm. now. Now, smoking less so, you know, but smoking used to be. and And now, you know, so many people in this society want to shut the smoking industry down, but yet they're okay with drinking. You know, and, and tobacco, I mean, <laughs> I mean to, tobacco hasn't been around long enough to do the damage that alcohol has. Alcohol has destroyed lives since biblical times. But, but people, people can make choices. They're not slaves of their genetics. And so they, they need to know that, you know, when you make the choice to go down these roads, you know, alcoholism, smoking, all these things, there are consequences to it.
1: So I wish, Patrick, I appreciate your comments. Um, Kathy, I'm going to ask you to comment on this in a minute. But I, I would say that I do wish that it were as simple as you say it is, that it's a choice thing and that um, you just have to will um, will that kind of thing away. I, I hear that a lot with with other issues such as people who have anxiety or depression or um, people who have other significant issues. And um, many times um, if you are in an environment um, that is toxic, like a father or mother with alcoholism, and you are predisposed, and you're going through those very difficult teenage years without the kind of adequate support that you need, it seems to me that having that will when you're that developing brain, still not mature um, until, what, 18 or 21, as we've talked about before, um, it's sometimes difficult to will that away. Kathy, I'd love to hear your comments on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I certainly agree. And and I just want to thank the caller for his perspective, because I think choice is available before you become addicted. And so that's one of the problems is that some people start drinking like I did when I was probably 12. So when you've got a child, did I have any? uh, uh, I mean, was it? You know, drinking at age 12 is certainly inappropriate, but, you know, these are some of the things that happened when families are dealing with alcoholism. So, uh, you know, it's just part of our lifestyle, part of our world. I grew up working in restaurants, and um, it seemed to be, you know, just what grownups did. So when you start drinking at 12 and you become addicted before you really even know what's going on, um, you know, it, then you don't have a choice once you kind of once you cross that biochemical invisible wall, if you will. So I think the choice there's a there's a role in choice, and there's a reason we have drinking ages in this country. And in the perfect circumstance, in the perfect family, then you know those things, um, those boundaries are adhered to, and and that's when somebody would have a choice when they're just starting to drink and and understand the risk factors. We didn't understand much, so we didn't know what we didn't know. And unfortunately, there's a lot of families out there like mine that just don't know. And one of the things that we also didn't know was that drinking alcohol when you're pregnant could result in lifelong damage to the developing baby. And that information didn't even begin to come out until 1973. In my situation, I had already had two children, yeah. and I did drink when I was pregnant with my children. I didn't drink. I was a teenager when I had my kids. I got pregnant way too young. Again, all of these are things that happen in a chaotic family life, um, you know. And our family just had fallen apart, and um, because of alcoholism. And so I was pregnant very young. I had two children. Um, The information came out in 73. I ended up having three more children after that information came out, but I never heard anything about it from any of my physicians. I never heard not to drink. And as a young person, I didn't understand I was an alcoholic. I didn't drink every day. I wasn't falling down drunk every day. I would drink more on the weekends. But when I drank... I drank in higher amounts. So mm-hmm. I would because I have a high tolerance. So I would have four drinks or more if I drank on Friday night. And that's one of the things that the C D C research has shown is that women under the age of twenty four are more likely to drink in binge episodes. Right. And it's that higher level of exposure that's associated with measurable physical defects in the unborn baby, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's where you get more of the fetal alcohol syndrome, as you were saying, the full spectrum, uh, the full uh, FAS, where it's the moderate alcohol exposure that can result in some of these subtle issues that don't show up until later, things like poor executive functioning, maybe memory, judgment, um, some of the behavior, some of the mental health, like the ADHD.
1: ADHD, right, and others, um
0: but the 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 short story to this is that um you know what will be found out later um at age 16 my daughter was I had my middle daughter was diagnosed with uh fetal alcohol syndrome and all during her first 16 years of life we didn't understand that she had a disability at all was diagnosed with cerebral palsy at age 9 she goodness. had ear infections at age three and
1: four. So severely um, affected.
0: Um, she, yeah. she is severely yeah. affected. She is. And I had a poor diet, as you were saying. Right. I did not take prenatal vitamins. I was 17 years old when I was pregnant with her. Um, I didn't understand the importance of, of good nutrition. And right. there was a lot of stress. I was uh, married to a teen dad, and there was a, a lot of stress and arguing and, You know, uh, I just basically recreated the the stressful environment I had come from.
1: Right, which happens often. Kathy, we have a caller, Angie, from Greenville that I'd like to go ahead and get to before our next break. So let's go to Angie in Greenville. Hi, Angie. Good morning. Thanks for calling.
3: Hey there. Good morning. Uh, First of all, I want to say thanks for the show. I always, regardless of what topic, get some type of information from it.
1: Great. Thanks.
3: And I want to say that um, I was one of those believers who thought that um, you just had to have the willpower. A person could stop drinking if you wanted to stop, if you wanted it bad enough, or, you know, if you care about yourself, you can. And I have learned um, just that it's not that simple, and it is an addiction. I do believe that. Um, That, um... A lot of times we do or not, a lot of times you have to have professional help. You can't do it by yourself. And people do actually want to quit. But, again, it's about seeking or finding professional help to help them. And I used to think that once an addict or a habit that the person could not, um, they couldn't change. And I've learned different from that. So um, people do need professional help. And like the other lady just stated, and I'll, I'll make it quick, that when we were in school, they didn't talk about what damage that alcohol could do or what the effects are of it. You just did not get that. Even from doctor visits, they don't. They would just say, oh, a glass of wine or, you know, that doesn't hurt you. And But, again, you just don't get the information um, put out there to you the way that we're hearing it today and how we hear it on your show. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Angie, for your call. and And the the issue is not that we are are trying to shift blame, but we really need to make sure that women all clearly understand the significance of what alcohol during pregnancy can do. Um, Kathy, any other comment on that?
0: Yes, absolutely. Because you know, this is something that we can prevent. There's a lot of things that you know, can happen when we have, you know, when you're a mom and you have children, lots of things can happen. And none of us want our children to suffer, especially for something that we that we did during pregnancy that that we could have avoided had we known. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, evidence is very clear that even with small amounts of alcohol, um, there, is, alcohol is a leading causal factor in miscarriage, uh, prematurity and sudden infant death syndrome. And I will tell you that my fourth child was born and he died the day he was born. And my last child, my little girl, I found lifeless in her crib when she was three months old. I believe in my heart of hearts, that both of those children did not survive because I drank. I will tell you today I'm sober. I have been sober for 32 years. People can get better. You need treatment. This is a real disease. I would have never hurt my own children, but do I regret the fact that I drank when I was pregnant? Absolutely. And that's why I am very vocal and public about our story, because. It's not just FASD, having a child with, you know, ADHD-like symptoms or having a child with severe intellectual disability. All of that is horrible, but it's also about finding your children lifeless in Mm. their crib and losing babies. This is all a part of what can happen.
1: And you've de- dedicated your life to helping others, and we really appreciate that, Kathy. Um, let's go know. ahead and take a break. Um, we're talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and what it can do to children. Alcohol during pregnancy. We appreciate our callers. We have one caller on the line. We have other room for callers. Give us a call with your thoughts, experiences, comments. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464, or you can send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking.
4: Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email you've got mail. to PSA at mpbonline.org.
5: Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
3: I was recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma.
5: Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening.
3: What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive. Thursday night at 7 on MPB TV.
5: This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Welcome back. This is relatively speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, and we have. Uh, National Vice President of the National Organization on Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, Kathy Mitchell here. She's been talking to us about some of her personal experiences that she's gone gone through. She's had quite a life and has spent the last, what, 32 years, Kathy or so, trying to help others, um, avoid having to deal with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. So thanks for being with us today. Thank
0: you. Thank
1: you. Kathy, you mentioned something um, earlier about even small amounts, and we have an email from a listener who is asking this question. Uh, She is Catholic, And so at communion on Sundays, um, you partake uh, the blood of Christ as wine. And she wants to know if even that small amount could have any effect.
0: Well, you know, most churches actually use grape juice now. Um, So maybe she should she should ask about that. Um, But, you know, there's here's the thing that that. You know, we know there's there's really no evidence of threshold. We know that drinking even small amounts of alcohol can affect some of the molecules that are critical for development. Now, again, I wouldn't want to have someone thinking that if they drink that tiny little amount that they should worry. But certainly if we can avoid it, we should.
1: Right. So, Kathy, I'm, I'm Catholic also, and that communion in that sense, it it is always with um, wine, and um, it is, though, a just a sip. It's not a cup of wine or a, even a, a thimble full of wine. So... Um, from from that standpoint, it is a, a small sip, and I would imagine that no one would say that would be a significant problem. I know it's different. Yeah. No, in, I agree yeah. with
0: you. Yes, you. Yes. So it's very hard. You have to balance right. having, especially with public health messaging and recommendations. I mean, the recommendation is, you know, no amount of alcohol. But again, if there's, you know, you've got a religious um, ritual, of a sacrament, that, you know, people have to make informed decisions. But the importance is that we can make informed right. decisions. And Absolutely. I have never heard that a sip of wine certainly has resulted in, in any problems like that.
1: Right. So we we have uh, room for other callers. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you have a thought or a comment, we have Linda from Port Gibson. Good morning, Linda. Hi. Hi. I'm Thanks Linda. for calling. You have some questions about the effects, or you have comments?
7: I have you uh, both. Uh, okay. I have a nephew who. Has fetal alcohol
1: syndrome.
7: And, uh, he's about maybe 20, 26 or 27. But he went through all, you know, uh, first through 12. But, um it's like he didn't learn anything. I mean, he can't, you know, how to write his name. And, uh, uh, when you graduate, you only get a certificate so you have to get a GED mm-hmm. and if you don't have a command of, of of the English language or able to read you're out of luck i mean he you don't have a job and uh, is fetal alcohol syndrome uh, a hereditary um
1: Type thing or? It, it is not hereditary um, what What Kathy was talking about is that you can have a genetic predisposition for substance abuse, so getting right. addicted to substances such as alcohol. But um, no, the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is something that is our fetal alcohol syndrome is caused by heavy drinking of alcohol during pregnancy by the mother. So um, it is not something that a child gets unless they are exposed to the alcohol in utero when, when they are in mother's womb. Um, now it does sound like your nephew is if if this is what happened, if mother drank yes um, during pregnancy and he has fetal alcohol syndrome, you are pointing out something that we want everybody to know, and that is it can severely affect the child it affects. Brain development on a cellular yeah. level, so the brain is typically smaller, it doesn't work as well and in and and often the individuals with the most severe effect end up with an intellectual disability and significant learning problems so it's a lifelong issue that we can completely avoid if we make sure that our pregnant women um, don't drink. And those who are hoping to get pregnant abstain from alcohol. Because honestly, one of the, the I, I know this happened to me. I did not know I was pregnant for the first few weeks of pregnancy. And I was um, having a drink or two here and there. And so that's something that happens. So during your childbearing years, if you are not preventing pregnancy, Um, and, and, or if you are trying to get pregnant, it's very important to, um, to abstain totally. Right, Kathy?
0: Yes, absolutely. That is certainly the recommendation. Yeah.
1: So So, Linda, thanks for your call. I'll just say that your, your nephew in special education, um, it, you're correct. You receive a certificate if you go through special education in school, um, but you don't receive a diploma. You often can't or um, not. If he's severely disordered, often they're not able to pass the GED exam. So um, I'm sorry to hear. There are some services, adult services out there. I hope that his parents are trying to access those for him um so with that i'd I'd just like to thank you kathy we're at the end of the show do you have any final words you'd like to impart on us you there Uh uh-oh It looks like we lost Kathy at the very end of the show. Oh, goodness. Well, I just want to give Kathy Mitchell again um, a shout-out. Thank you so very much. I want to let everyone know that um, we'll have some information. If you have a family member, an individual who might need help, Stopping drinking using drugs. Um, We have that information on our Facebook site, Um, and we also have um, some links to further information on. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, if you're interested, if you think you might have an individual who might have, might be affected, if they need some help, we have services at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, at our K Center, the Center for the Advancement of Youth. There are other services um, throughout Mississippi and in Louisiana, Alabama, and Tennessee for our listeners. So please know If you have somebody that you think might be affected, someone who's having trouble not drinking um, during pregnancy, please know that if you get them help now, you might be making a huge difference in a child's life. So thanks to our listeners. Thanks so much to Kathy Mitchell for being with us today. This is Relatively Speaking. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, and it is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show is engineered by our producer, Jay White. Our call screener, Liz Gill. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
4: The forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. There have been a few scattered showers pop up close to the coast, but otherwise, our neighbors in Tunica are in uh, pretty good shape today. The temperature not going to be as hot. We're going to be in the low to mid 80s.